You are listening to sermons from Bars Corner, Nova Scotia. The goal of our teaching is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For more recordings and sermon notes and many other resources, visit barscornerbaptist.wordpress.com or search Sam Jess or Bars Corner on crosspreach.com. This is your sermon for Sunday, January 31st. The title of the sermon today is How God Rescues Sinners. And our scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. Let us hear God's word. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. May God bless this reading from his word. Let's pray. Let's, let's pray. God our Father, I pray that your grace and your kindness to us, that this passage speaks about how you will lavish them on us in the, in the ages to come because of our faith in your son Jesus, our union with him. God, I pray that, that by our union with your son Jesus today, even if people who are hearing this are just laying hold of him for the very first time, God, I pray that even in hearing these words, you would lavish your grace upon people even in this world. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. This passage, or a little part of it, uh, worked mightily at an earlier point in my life. It, it changed my life. It converted me. It convinced me to stop trusting that I am good and it convinced me to give my life to Jesus Christ. It convinced me that he, it is him who died and who rose to save me, and how I needed to base everything on that. And my aim today is that you would do that too, that you would trust him, that you would surrender your life to him. You would do that today, or at least you would do that very soon. And that is not just to keep you from going to hell, if you read the verses just before what I read, then you'll read about how how we, on our own, apart from Christ, that's that's where we would be headed. That's where just everyone in the world is, is headed apart from Christ. But this salvation is not just to keep us from going to hell, and this message today is not just to keep you from going to hell, but even more than that, it is to show you the gladness and the nature of heaven where God wants you to go. All of this is based, it says in this passage in verse 6, all of it is based on us being joined to Jesus Christ, who is the one person who belongs in heaven rightfully. But how if we're joined with him, then we get to go where he belongs. Well, how can I express these glorious things? Maybe this all sounds very strange to you. Maybe you, you feel like, well, just that spiritual stuff that I just don't get. How can I express these things? Jesus asked the question once in Mark chapter 4. He said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? So 
So what story should I use to try to describe to you the glories of God's salvation to us and how God gets sinners into heaven? One of the, the real shining glories of the church in this world has been its storytelling, the stories that it has told down through the centuries. And today I want to try to show you something of heaven and of this salvation by telling you about a novel. This is a, a novel that I read, I think, in the past year called Pollyanna. It's by Eleanor H. Porter. It was first published in 1913. And it is a powerful, sweet story about an orphan girl who teaches people around her to be glad. But it's a tricky thing. As powerful as this story is, it's a tricky thing to use it in a sermon. It's not quite a straightforward thing to use in a sermon. And I know this because I've first heard this story mentioned in many sermons by preachers whom I trust. And it wasn't those preachers saying, hey, let's read this story. It was preachers saying, pointing to Christ and saying, hey, you need to trust Christ and this is not about being like Pollyanna. These preachers, just in passing, would put down this book. They would, they would, they would, um, they would speak against it. Well, I guess pe preachers did that back in a time when this book was very popular. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if only two or three of you have probably heard this story or seen the movie or read the book. You know what I'm talking about when I say Pollyanna. So maybe, maybe this story was just so popular that, that people were being drawn into it and those preachers felt like they had to speak against it. I'm not going to speak against it today. I'm going to try to explain a little bit of why they spoke against it and why they, they might have been right to. I'm not going to speak against it. But I will argue today that there are some pictures and scenes and characters in this story that we need or something like them at least, in order to grasp the, the passages like this one from Scripture that we read today in Ephesians chapter 2, in order for our imaginations and our hearts to be, to be expanded and challenged enough to be able to, to, to even imagine this grace that God has given us in Christ. Well, let me summarize this story for you. The story is about this orphan girl, Pollyanna, who, after her parents both died, she goes to live with her moderately wealthy Aunt Polly. And Aunt Polly is a very dutiful, religious aunt who owns a, a big house, a big estate, and has servants and so on. And as sorrowful as Pollyanna is over losing her parents, her father, who had been a minister, had taught her to work very hard at being glad, no matter what tragedies may happen, to always work very hard at being glad. And so Pollyanna spreads her gladness to other hurting people around her. She teaches them what she calls her glad game. It's a challenge. This is a good challenge, I think, for us. It's a challenge of always trying to name something to be glad about, no matter how bad things are. So that's sounds like a good game. Can we play that game? So, for example, Nancy, the maid in the house, she hated Monday mornings, but Pollyanna challenged her in the glad game to look for what she could be glad about, about Monday mornings. And one day, Nancy comes to Pollyanna and says, I figured it out. She said, the thing to be glad about, about Monday mornings, is 
that there's no time in the week that I will be farther from next week's Monday morning. So I can be glad for that. Well, that's kind of fun, isn't it? Well, there was another time where, where Mr. Pendleton had broken his leg in a fall, and Pollyanna tells him, well, you could be glad that you didn't break both legs. Well, what... what um, What's good about that is that it does show us that the Bible does tell us that we should learn to be glad. We could make an effort to give thanks to God in every situation. And this character, Pollyanna, and her message, um, it all comes with a theme that a life of duty, even a life of doing good, is not enough for a Christian if we are not glad. And that gloom, even in the midst of, of difficult situations, gloom is unacceptable. Now, I said that preachers have preached against this story and against this book. Well, let me summarize for you why and what's missing from this story. When I've heard preachers preach against it, it's usually to say that life's problems are such that a mere change of attitude is not enough. They would say, well, certainly a change of attitude helps, um, but something deeper is needed. And I agree with them. And I think that it is too bad that the book does not really treasure the cross of Christ. That the book does not really treasure what Christ did triumphing over death in the empty grave. I wish the book um, celebrated that more. But even with that, as I read the book and was challenged by it, the book I had to I had to I was surprised to find that the book does actually acknowledge that maybe a change of attitude is indeed on its own not enough because um, when the book comes to its crisis is when Pollyanna gets in an accident and she herself is injured and might never walk again and she can't play the the glad game herself anymore she's lost her ability to find gladness and so even even the one who just teaches this this game of finding gladness she it she comes up short so even the book acknowledges well maybe maybe just this game of trying to change your attitude maybe this is not enough now when i say that i want to use this book uh, unlike those other preachers i want to use this book to help us to try to picture heaven it's not actually through Pollyanna herself that I think we can use this book to help us picture the glories of heaven and of salvation. Someone pointed out to me recently that in the best novels, it's actually the secondary characters, the less important characters, who are the real treasures. And in this book, I keep coming back to two secondary characters. They are a wealthy, grumpy old man named Mr. Pendleton, and a begging little orphan boy named Jimmy Bean. Jimmy Bean is an orphan like Pollyanna, and he feels unwanted at the orphanage where he's been put, and he sets out to find a family that will take him in in exchange for work. He goes knocking on doors saying, look, I'm willing to work hard, can I live with you? And Pollyanna finds him doing that, and she sets out to find a place for him. First, she takes him home to her own Aunt Polly and says, Look, you, you were willing to take the kitten and the puppy. Now let's take this, this boy, too. Won't, won't we all be glad? And Polly is, Aunt Polly is just horrified 
then then Pollyanna keeps going to all these fine Christian people who who you would think would be willing to help, but who are unwilling to take in Jimmy Bean. And then there's Mr. Pendleton. Mr. Pendleton is a grumpy old man whom Pollyanna sees on her walks in the woods. For, for a long time, she doesn't even get to learn his name. She just calls him The Man. And it turns out, as she learns about him, that he is incredibly rich, and he lives in a big mansion all by himself, basically. And then one day, she finds him after he's had a bad fall in the woods, and she helps him to get rescued, and then as he is recovering from his broken leg in his house, he welcomes her visits in his home, and he starts to catch her gladness, and you learn of an earlier connection that that Mr. Pendleton had with, with one of Pollyanna's close relatives, and he decides that she would change his life if she would come and live there as his little girl, if she would let him adopt her so that she would receive all of his wealth, um, it would all be hers, and she would be his. But she won't. He begs her, he pressures her, but she won't. She won't leave her Aunt Polly. And she tries to convince him that instead of adopting her, why doesn't he just adopt Jimmy Bean instead? And, you know, Mr. Pendleton doesn't know Jimmy Bean, he doesn't have any reason to think Jimmy Bean would make him happy the way that Pollyanna makes him happy. And so he doesn't really warm to that idea. He's a little bit open to it just for her sake. But then it's just after that that Pollyanna has her accident. And as Pollyanna is in her own gloom, then Mr. Pendleton sends her word that to make her glad he sends her word that he will, in fact, adopt Jimmy Bean, that Jimmy Bean will come and live with him, and Jimmy Bean will be his boy, and will inherit all that John Pendleton has. And so the image of an unwanted begging orphan boy being adopted to make a cold old mansion into a home, I think this, just this picture, this image, this story, I think this is a treasure for us in order to help us to picture heaven and to treasure heaven and all of God's grace in heaven. All of the other characters who could have taken Jimmy Bean in, they all had some kind of boundary. Well, that's just not what one does. But Mr. Pendleton broke through that boundary. Out of love for Pollyanna, he broke through that boundary, and it makes him glad, and it makes Jimmy Bean glad, and it makes Pollyanna glad. And so this image of Jimmy Bean inheriting Mr. Pendleton's mansion and wealth helps me to picture heaven in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, In order that in the coming ages he, that is God, might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? The incomparable riches of his grace. We, we, we really haven't begun to even picture how wealthy God is, how rich God's riches and his grace are. And one of his purposes for us in Christ is just to lavish that love and that grace and those riches on us in heaven for all eternity to come. And picturing this poor orphan boy inheriting all the wealth that Mr. Pendleton has and making him healthy, making him happy and glad by his relationship with him and bringing joy into his house that's a treasure, and that helps. 
It gave Mr. Pendleton gladness to take this boy in, but not to take him in as a servant. Sometimes we think, well, I'll, I'll be God's servant. Not to take him in as a charity project. Like sometimes we, we feel like, well, if I need God's help, I'll just be God's charity project. But to take him in as a son and an heir. And so a child's presence changes a pile of cold stone into a home. Now with that, you might think maybe I'm pressuring you to adopt orphans. That's not necessarily the point here, although I can say that, that foster families are needed here in Nova Scotia. But my point is rather that you would know that you are Jimmy Bean to God, that God wants to adopt you, and God wants to spend the coming ages lavishing his riches and his, and his grace on you. And if you are in Christ, then that is already who you are. Like it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, well, what has already happened for those who are truly Christians? It says, in love he, that is God, predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, of course, there is much that is different between Mr. Pendleton and God. No parable is exact. Mr. Pendleton is a grumpy old man. God does not begin his own story by being himself a grumpy, nor discouraged, nor lonely old man. Rather, in the union of the Holy Trinity... He is not lonely, and he is not grumpy. He's blessed in his relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And God does not need us like Mr. Pendleton needed someone. Mr. Pendleton was, was selfish, and it seems like it was only by accident that he learned the joy of self-giving. But God is self-giving at his deepest core. We can also think about how different it is that Jimmy Bean did not owe Mr. Pendleton anything, not to begin with. He had never wronged him. They didn't know each other. But we have all sinned against this holy God who has every claim on our lives. So it's not, a, it's not an exact parable. Not an exact, it doesn't map on to our situation with God exactly. But Jesus was not ashamed to compare sinful fathers to the goodness of his heavenly Father. You remember in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, he says, when he's talking about how fathers love to give good gifts to, your, to their children, he says, And if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give them to those who ask him? Like Mr. Pendleton, God moves toward gladness. God moves toward family, toward fullness, toward redemption from past heartbreaks, and much more. God is happy to receive someone who wasn't his first choice. It speaks in, in the Bible about how the gospel and salvation came to the Jews first, and is only... Uh, in a, in a strange sense, by the accident of their, of their rejecting the gospel, that the gospel came to us Gentiles at all. 
We are not God's first choice in that sense. Like Jimmy Bean wasn't Mr. Pendleton's first choice. But God is happy to adopt people, anyone, anyone whom this world does not really want. And not merely to benefit them, but to adopt them. God is rich and glorious in lavishing his riches on his children in a glorious future. And so it is indeed helpful for us to picture ourselves as Jimmy Bean, receiving rich salvation from God our Heavenly Father, no matter how miserable our background was. Now, I want to go back just for a moment to the problem with the book, the problem that preachers find with this book. The problem with most great novels doesn't have to do with the secondary characters, but with the primary characters. The problem with with this book, and others like it, is that the main character takes on a messiah role. And as, as, as Pollyanna goes around helping people, as, as she becomes the great victim, and, and so on and so on, there are many ways that our hearts warm to her, because she is like Jesus. We don't think about that really quickly, but that's why we like her, is because she takes on the same kind of role that Jesus the Messiah takes on. But anyone who, who we start to think about in a Messiah role will always fall short of our expectations if they are not Jesus Christ himself. And so as great as Pollyanna is, she cannot be greater than Jesus. But with that said, let me so show something about her Messiah role and how that role works. It's really not what she teaches people that makes all the difference. It, you know, it does help that she teaches people to be glad, but that's not what makes all the difference. Rather, what makes all the difference is when people get joined to her, get that relationship with her, get united with her in, in friendship or in family in some way, then, then the big changes come. And as much as her character can't fulfill all that we want from her, we can learn something from her about how Christ's role works. It was by joining themselves to Pollyanna that both Jimmy Bean and Mr. Pendleton found their way into the grace that they longed for, which ended up being with each other. And for us, it is only by, by our being joined to Jesus Christ in a real relationship with him that we find our way into the riches of heaven as you see in in uh, chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 here it says and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus see how it's emphasizing it that that it's it's only by being joined to him that we get that place it was only because Jimmy Bean knew Pollyanna, and because Mr. Pendleton knew Pollyanna, and that they both trusted her, it was only through that that, that the real changes came. And so it's only by really knowing Jesus, it's only by really entrusting yourself to Jesus, letting Jesus take you, that you get into heaven. We get the place that Jesus deserves like Jimmy Bean got the place that Mr. Pendleton had intended for Pollyanna. And with all of that, let me tell you that 
though the character, though the main character Pollyanna might ultimately disappoint us, if we the more we start to delight in her, let me tell you that if you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you entrust your life to Him, He will never ultimately disappoint you. Well, in light of all of those great riches and all of that grace and all of the lavish glories and riches of heaven that God intends to pour on us in the ages to come, how should we then live? There are some glimpses in the the novel about how Jimmy Bean lives in that mansion once he is adopted. He has to learn how to live in a way that is fitting with the rich grace that we we receive. You know, he had he had been unwanted, he had been he had been not cared for, and so he had been mean. When you, when we first meet him in the story, he's got a real mean streak to him. Well, we in this world, how often we how often our our sins and our temptations they're just cheap. They're they're because because people treat us like cheap because we feel unwanted then then we respond in these cheap mean ways but we shouldn't because we have a place in the riches of heaven how should we then live we should live also in devotion to the one whose place we took we should live in devotion to Jesus Christ who got us our place in heaven as you get toward the end of the story, as Jimmy is, Jimmy Bean is just overwhelmed with the goodness of what Pollyanna has worked for him, Jimmy Bean would do anything for Pollyanna. But with that, we also need to realize that in light of these great riches that we are given in Jesus Christ, in light of the grace that God gives us, there is no hope at all of us ever paying it back. There is no hope at all of us ever earning it. It says in chapter 2, verse 8, and this is the verse that really changed my life, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Verse 9, Not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, even once we're in heaven, there will be no chance for us to do enough good works to pay for, to pay back for what we've received. You know, Jimmy Bean was going around knocking on doors trying to convince people to take him, saying, I'll work, I'll earn it. I'll earn my keep. But there's no earning our keep in heaven. The riches are too great. <laughs> but then there is a role in the story for Jimmy Bean. When you get to the very climax of the story, uh, where everything's just sort of stuck, and there, we, we as the readers know that there is a chance for... for Pollyanna's legs to be saved, but but then there's there's uh, something blocking blocking that from happening. Then it's Jimmy Bean being in the right place at the right time, being in the in the the house of grace, that he finds himself able to f- fulfill a role and break through a barrier, and make something happen. And we can know that even in this world, even as we're awaiting the riches of heaven, that even as we are in this world, really in our hearts, it's as we dwell in the home of grace by faith that our right roles and jobs will come to us. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that for we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good, wo good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But even in this world, God would have just the right things for us to do that by no means will mean that we are earning our keep or earning our place, but will be the privilege of having a place in the house of grace. Another thing for us to, to learn from all of this is that we should be glad to be minor characters. We live in a world where everyone wants to be a main character, but we should be glad to be minor characters. Like I said, in, in all the great novels, it's the minor, minor characters who tend to be the, the real treasures. Well, let us let Christ be the central character and let us be the minor characters around him. And with all of that, in light of the grace of the glory of Christ, uh, let us also learn the lesson that Pollyanna wanted people to learn. Let us learn the lesson that we should be glad, not gloomy. Pollyanna tells the preacher in, in the, the middle of the novel, she tells him that there were 800 times in the Bible that the Bible says for us to be glad. There is so much reason for us to be glad in Jesus Christ, in what he did for us. And now, to conclude, I want to give you one more comparison, one more way that, that Mr. Pendleton is a good picture for us as we picture God offering us the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. There were, I, I folded down the corner of the book trying to find the, the place where Mr. Pendleton um, tries to convince Pollyanna to come and live with him. And it was several places, over and over. He's he's begging her. He's 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 laying out his case. He's giving her the soft sell, the hard sell, no matter what he can do. Saying, "Won't you come and live with me here? Won't you come and bring joy to my house?" Now, Mr. Pendleton begs and pressures and does that all for his own selfish reasons. God our Father does it for his selfless reasons. He does it because he is love. But he does it with just as much urgency as Mr. Pendleton has, and even more. God is pleading with you, saying, please come. Please come. Please be mine. Please let me adopt you. Please... Lay aside your past and, and come and trust me. Please live the life that I have prepared for you. Please give up trying to think that you can earn your way into this. Please give up your meanness. Please give up... Give up thinking that you're unwanted. Please accept my love. And let me lavish the riches of my grace and my kindness on you for all eternity to come. He is offering that to you. He's, he's, he's pleading with you. Don't hold on to your sin. Don't hold on to your, your claim on yourself. That, that holding on, that kind of holding on will, will only take you to, to an eternal hell. May you take hold of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay for your sins and who rose from the dead to give you life. 
May you take hold of him, and may you let him take you to heaven. And may you let him give you access to God's lavish grace, love, and kindness for all eternity to come. Let us pray. God, our Father, I pray that you would stretch our imaginations. God, I pray that you would stretch our emotions, that we would be able to grasp how great your love for us is, that we would be able to grasp how urgent your love for us is. God, I pray for every soul who's hearing this who has never surrendered their life to you, who has never received the, the gift of salvation of how your son Jesus paid for their sins. God, I pray that you would please help us to, to hear you pleading, to come to you, to confess our sins, to receive the grace of life and of heaven forever. I pray in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.